This podcast covers all things health, your body, your brain, and your well-being. Each week, we'll be joined by doctors, as well as the occasional guest, to talk about the health topics that mean the most to you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Primary sclerosing cholangitis and primary biliary cholangitis previously known as primary biliary cirrhosis, are both forms of cholestatic liver disease leading to cirrhosis and liver failure. However, they are two separate diseases. They're both called cholestatic due to poor flow of bile through the liver and bile ducts. Normally, bile is produced by the hepatocytes of the liver and travels through the intrahepatic and extrahepatic biliary ducts into the intestine to help digest and absorb fats. In both primary sclerosing cholangitis and primary biliary cholangitis, the end result is increased resistance to bile flow, causing bile to build up in the liver, leading to chronic inflammation and eventually cirrhosis. Primary sclerosing cholangitis is a chronic progressive condition characterized by inflammation and scarring of the intrahepatic and extrahepatic bile ducts, leading to hardening, which is where the sclerosing part of the name comes from, strictures, meaning narrowing, 
and therefore an obstruction to bile flow. Some segments are unaffected, giving the typical beads on a string appearance that is often an exam question. It is rare, with a prevalence of around 6 per 100,000, but this is believed to be due to underdiagnosis. It is seen twice as commonly in males than in females, with a peak between the ages of 30 and 40. There is a strong link between primary sclerosing cholangitis and inflammatory bowel disease, in particular ulcerative colitis, with approximately 80% suffering from inflammatory bowel disease. Although the exact pathophysiology is not currently known, it is thought that it is an immune-mediated condition rather than a true autoimmune condition. There is genetic predisposition. In particular, it is more prevalent in patients with the HLA, B2 and DR3 subtypes. It is also thought that the patients have a disruption in their biliary epithelium. Due to the close relationship with inflammatory bowel disease, it has been hypothesized that there is a movement of bacteria from the gut into the portal system, generating a systemic inflammatory response, which then disrupts the biliary epithelium, leading to exposure of the colocytes to bile acids and therefore injury. The flow of bile out of the liver is decreased, meaning more bile remains in the liver, leading to more chronic inflammation and scarring, giving a vicious cycle where the bile flow obstruction continuously worsens, ultimately resulting in cirrhosis of the liver. On average, the survival rate is around 15 years from diagnosis, typically reaching biliary cirrhosis in around that time. A potential complication of primary sclerosing cholangitis is cholangiocarcinoma, which is a primary malignancy of the bile ducts. This occurs in around 1 in 5 patients and features a poor prognosis. There is also an increased risk of other hepatobiliary cancers, including hepatocellular carcinoma and gallbladder malignancy, as well as colorectal cancers and pancreatic cancer. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least. Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy, who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. Many patients are asymptomatic, with around 50% being asymptomatic and the condition being found incidentally. But the most common symptom is fatigue, 
and others such as fever, itching, and non-specific upper abdominal pain are also commonly seen. Jaundice, or a yellow discoloration of the skin or mucosa due to buildup of bilirubin in the body, is another possible feature. Patients may also have deficiencies in the fat-soluble vitamins and can directly present with cirrhosis. Lab markers in primary sclerosing cholangitis typically involve a raised alkaline phosphatase and possibly a raised ALT and AST, and autoantibodies are found in 97% of cases, specifically anti-smooth muscle or anti-nuclear antibodies in 75% of cases, and anti-neutrophil cytoplasmic antibodies, or P-anchor. However, the gold standard for the diagnosis is cholangiography, specifically MRCP. The characteristic finding is strictures separated by normal segments of bile ducts, giving the appearance of beads on a string that we mentioned. There is currently no definitive treatment for primary sclerosing cholangitis. Liver transplants are done as they improve mortality. However, the recurrence of primary sclerosing cholangitis is still a risk after a liver transplant. Ursodeoxycholic acid is sometimes prescribed, which leads to improved liver function tests. However, studies have shown little or limited benefit of using the medication in terms of survival or in symptoms. Cholesteramine is a bile acid sequestrant that is used to relieve symptoms such as itching, and immunosuppressants and antifibrotic drugs such as cyclosporin, tacrolimus and methotrexate have not shown consistent clinical improvement in these patients either. Now we'll take a look at primary biliary cholangitis, which is also a chronic and progressive condition. In this case, it is a true autoimmune condition that leads to destruction of the small intrahepatic bile ducts, leading to cholestasis. Primary biliary cholangitis is not as rare as primary sclerosing cholangitis and is estimated to have a prevalence of 35 per 100,000. It has a female to male ratio of 9 to 1, and this is mostly seen in middle age. To highlight this, it's thought that around 1 in 1,000 women over the age of 45 have the condition. As we said, primary biliary cholangitis is considered an autoimmune condition. It is more common in females, and it also has associations with other autoimmune diseases like celiac disease, Sjogren syndrome, and thyroiditis. It is thought that a reduction in immune tolerance in middle age leads to targeting of the small interlobular bile ducts by the immune system. This leads to their destruction and progressively worsening bile flow leading to cholestasis, chronic inflammation and then cirrhosis. Specifically, anti-mitochondrial antibodies are thought to target lipoic acid, particularly pyruvate dehydrogenase complex E2 on the biliary epithelial cells. Although primary biliary cholangitis is a progressive disease, there are some instances where the progression is minimal and in some cases remission is induced, but on average the terminal stages are reached 15 to 20 years from diagnosis. There is an increased risk of developing hepatocellular carcinoma and osteoporosis. Once again, 
a large proportion of patients are asymptomatic, which is believed to be 50 to 60%, that are only found due to abnormal liver function tests. Fatigue remains the most common symptom, seen in around 80% of symptomatic patients, and itchiness or pruritus is seen in around 20 to 70% of cases. Other findings include jaundice and hyperpigmentation. As we said, there is a connection to other autoimmune conditions, and around 60% of patients will suffer from one of them. The diagnostic criteria for primary biliary cholangitis requires an elevated alkaline phosphatase of 1.5 times the upper limit of normal, histological evidence of non-suppurative chronic biliary duct destruction, and the presence of AMA antibodies at a titer of 1 to 40 or higher. Anti-mitochondrial antibodies are positive in 90% of cases, and this is a marker that has high specificity. Anti-nuclear antibodies are present in around 50% of cases. Two out of three of these points are required for diagnosis. Imaging like MRCP can be done. In this instance, it is more so to exclude primary sclerosing cholangitis or masses causing obstruction. In contrast to primary sclerosing cholangitis, primary biliary cholangitis often has a good response to ursodeoxycholic acid. It is thought that as it is incorporated into bile, it reduces the toxicity to the biliary epithelium and thereby decreases inflammation. However, around 40% of cases are resistant to the ursodeoxycholic acid. Obeticholic acid is a relatively new synthetic bile acid that is used if ursodeoxycholic acid has failed or is not tolerated. It is a Farnesoid X receptor agonist, which when activated leads to reduced bile acid synthesis and increased clearance, as well as reducing inflammation. Symptomatic treatment like cholesterol for itching is used in primary biliary cholangitis as well. Liver transplantation is an option in end-stage patients or non-responders to medication, but recurrence is thought to happen in around 20% of cases. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.